0: verse 19 somebody would like to get that for us will volunteer to read it Don Galati so we're continuing with our study on the precious blood of Jesus and uh, we have one more uh, session to go unless I get inspired on something else and so uh, uh, this is the uh, about the ninth uh, facet of this I think we're uh, studying and uh, I want to say that the revelation of the role that the blood of Jesus plays in the spiritual realm for the believer is probably the single greatest truth of the Christian faith. Uh, This underlies everything, stretching back to uh, the Old Testament, uh, beginning with chapter 4 with Cain and Abel, uh, moving on through the sacrifice of, uh, of Noah as he steps off the ark onto the uh, revelation of the tabernacle, all of its uh, uh, all of its uh, uh, rituals, all of its uh, insights, uh, linked into the covenant that uh, God cut with Abraham, as we've uh, studied as we moved through, and the entire Christian faith is based on and comes through the revelation of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This underlies everything that has to do with redemption. And without the blood, all you have is religious ritual. All you have is religious uh, affiliation. has no power. has no redemptive force. It will show no practical effects. You have nothing more than uh, ethics, uh, some good positive thinking, uh, a little bit of uplifting hype. But there's no power of deliverance, and you'll find nothing uh, that's going to bring deliverance. This is the single most important facet. This is why the devil has been successful. Uh, all the old mainline churches, removing uh, the emphasis on the blood. You'll find no longer any hymns on the blood uh, in your uh, mainline denominations. They've been removed because they no longer believe in the blood of redemption. They use religious termi- uh, terms and religious uh, 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 verbiage, but as far as the uh, emphasis and the understanding, and the revelation they do not have it and that's why they've removed it because those those songs mean nothing to them you mentioned blood as someone mentioned last week all it does is bring a a revulsion that perhaps this is uh, some kind of paganism and it's rooted in paganism so we want to uh, lock our minds in a little bit this morning I wonder if I could ask a couple of questions and uh, this roots in our study last week what does it mean uh, that we're near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody, uh, give us a recap. The blood of Jesus Christ. What does it mean when the Bible says we're brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ? What does it mean? No. no, no. Okay. Uh, Alan's reading these notes, so he knows. It. <laughs> Okay, so it, so what it really is talking about is the intimacy of relationship. Is that correct? It has to do with a spiritual positioning, and uh, and uh, the veil is rent from the top to the bottom, a four-inch veil, uh, and uh, and so that has significance. Somebody want to add something to that, uh, Don Gallati? Okay, that's a little different. That was earlier, and this is true. Uh, we're talking about the Great Gulf. That was one of our early studies, but 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 now we're talking about the intimacy of relationship. There's a couple of key words that are very important. Uh, Carol, can you think of what that would be? Okay, that's very true. How did we get that, uh, Janice? By adoption. Okay, you're good class praise God the test of teaching is made by review and application if you didn't get anything then I'm wasting my time we're just having a religious session together so that's great by adoption this is the process of God's action because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has now removed the barrier and has brought us into a positioning of intimacy as sons of God children of God uh, this is very true and uh, we have this relationship uh, with God. So uh, Carol's alluded to it. What does this mean to you and I? That we, we can go in and sit on God's lap? Is this what it is? What does this mean? Okay, Casey Woolwin. Okay, what, uh, what good is that? Okay, great. Uh, Twister? Ares? Okay, that's one part of adoption, isn't it? Uh, Steve, did you have a little added facet to that? How do we know that? How do we know that? <laughs> because I said it. What? That's great. Any anybody anybody have a Bible this morning? Is uh, Mike Stellano. okay? The proof of that's the Holy Spirit's bringing to us, Abba Father. And nobody can use that except those that are children. All right, there's more, though. Now you're talking about emotion. Okay, that's true. It's valid, but we have more. Carol? What? Sixteen. Okay, very good. Praise God. Okay, let's let's launch shot. So this morning we want to uh, take a new facet. I want First Peter... 1 19 and uh, I want somebody to get for me Hebrews 13 10 through 13 Jimmy's gonna get that for me a loud clear voice so we want to talk this morning about sanctification sanctification is a 40-cylinder word and it has deep uh, spiritual meaning it's one of the doctrines uh, that has an interesting history And uh, in a number of the holiness churches, Pentecostal Church of God, Nazarene, Wesleyan Methodist, and and so on and so forth, they uh, went through a period uh, where the very heavy emphasis was on a second work of grace. They called this a second work of grace, and they called this sanctification. In other words, they, just as we uh, encourage believers to come and respond, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking with other tongues, these people emphasized what they called a second work of grace, they called this sanctification, it's in their history, and uh, what, uh, what uh, this r- really meant to them was an experience of killing the sin nature, this is what they call it. And so uh, there's some truth about that, uh, and no doubt these people are having some kind of experience, but the problem is, it is not biblical uh, that the Adamic nature is dead. I can, I can prove that to you if you want to argue with me because in about 30 seconds I can stir up your damning nature <laughs> years ago I was teaching a Sunday school class there was an elderly gentleman there, there was a retired uh, Pentecostal Church of God uh, preacher and uh, so I forgot what I was teaching on I was teaching an adult Bible class in Scottsdale and, uh, and so uh, he was of that persuasion and uh, he said uh, uh, this is this is it this is sanctification he said 20 years ago I was sanctified and I haven't sinned since there are other, other sins besides smoking <laughs> can anybody say amen one of one of which is is religious pride and so <laughs> And so I didn't argue with the dear old fellows. You know, yeah, I'm going to change him. He's 75 years old, and, and uh, I'm going to change his doctrine. But there's a great truth to be found in the revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ and sanctification by his blood. Hebrews 13:10 through 13. Uh, wait a minute. We, we want 1 Peter 1, 19. Who got that? Okay, Don's got that. but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. This is our foundational study. Paul Heinberg last week, I, did, I didn't call. I gave him a scripture. He's still bitter. He's walking around short-legged still because I didn't call on him. And, uh, and uh, so he reminded me of this. So I don't want to forget anybody this morning. All right. Hebrews 13, 10 through 13. Jimmy Ferrens. okay here's a, a picture from the old testament ritual and uh... we want to get a definition and a picture of sanctification and so this is an allusion to uh, the temple ritual after the sacrifice for the sin offering then the body of the uh, animal that was sacrificed for the sin offering is taken outside the city and was burned this is a picture and uh... and uh, that body is the the flesh and is a picture that the fleshly nature or the sin nature needs to be mortified or needs to be put to death. This is where the old sanctification people uh, 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 based that on, Dr. Charles Price and Christian Missionary Alliance and so on, several of those are of that persuasion. So sanctification if you lock this in your mind means death to sin and fleshly desires. We're going to move through that and come back to that in, in a moment. I want several scriptures uh, in this section. I want Exodus 19, 10, and 14. Uh, Pete Baker, Exodus 19, 10, and verse 14. I want Exodus 13, 2. Uh, Dennis uh, Keppel. I want Numbers 8:17. Somebody uh, likely to get that is uh, Roger Holloman. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. I saw a hand here. Is it Casey? Or it's... Uh, uh, Sandy Jeremiah 1.5 I want Exodus 30 verse 29 Somebody else in this section uh, It's Phil Payson Exodus 30 29 Leviticus 8.10 Leviticus chapter 8 verse 10 uh, Bob and I want Numbers 7 verse 1 Somebody get that for me That's uh, 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 Rob So Uh, We want to move through these scriptures because we're talking about being sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It has a picture, and that picture is very plain, and we want to move through this uh, because basically this is a separation for a holy use. I was doing some reading this morning and uh, yesterday and this morning, and one of the alarming things that's happening in the Christian world is people who do not know their Bibles uh, there's a major move to what is known in theological terms as universal salvation. Uh, this universal salvation uh, ultimately means the devil saved, and uh, and it moves to that. That's false uh, doctrine. This is not biblical. Does not anybody who reads the Bible knows better than that? Uh, this uh, is being propagated now. Is moved towards in a. Uh, uh, everybody's saved by the blood of Jesus. They just don't know it yet. Even people who are not saved are saved. Yeah, it's very prominent. Listen to what I'm saying. This is the reason I teach Bible class. Is so that people will have a foundation. And when these things come across, which is a very major move uh, in Christianity today towards universal salvation... And the doctrine is, this is Norman, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, this is Schuler. this is many other prominent people. Some of your prominent charismatic are now beginning to pick this up. And I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You're not saved till you're saved. That makes a decision. Otherwise, we bring all of our missionaries home from the foreign field. We can quit wasting our money in evangelism. We can settle down and relax because uh, everybody's already saved. They just don't know it yet. That's a lie. People are lost. They're bound for a devil's hell. Unless they repent, there's no hope for mankind. This is why I'm teaching Bible uh, classes, and this is why I do this and emphasize this. Okay, sanctification, then sanctified by His blood to separate for holy use. That's the first understanding. We have Moses. He sanctifies the people before the giving of the law. Exodus 19, verse 10 and verse 14. All right, go to the people and sanctify them. Now, we're going to get a picture here, and he's talking about them washing their clothes. They're getting ready now. God is going to come on the scene. They're going to have the presence of God. They're going to receive the law. These are the Ten Commandments. They're going to receive these, but before they receive these, he says, I want you to sanctify the people. There's something they're going to have to do. They set themselves apart. Go ahead. All right, they did something. The principal thought I want you to catch is that they did an action, and this was setting themselves apart for a holy use or a holy revelation. Here we have Aaron and his sons. They're going to be priests to minister to God in the priest's office. I'm moving very rapidly through this uh, to give you a picture in the field. Exodus thirty thirteen two. Exodus 13.2. God says, uh, I want you to sanctify to me the firstborn that opens the womb, both of man and beast. Set them apart for me. They're going to be sanctified to me. They're going to set apart for me. This is a holy use that I'm going to have. And then Numbers uh, what is 7.18 or 8.17. God reaches back in, uh, in the history in Egypt, says, I have set these apart for myself. I'm putting my mark upon thee. They belong to me, firstborn of every beast, the firstborn of mankind. And this is then the underlying thought of sanctifications the setting apart to God. Jeremiah is set aside by God before he's ever born. Jeremiah 1.5, one of the great, great texts of biblical revelation. God spoke to Jeremiah, said, before you were ever conceived in the womb, I sanctified you. My purpose in my foreknowledge, in my understanding of the processes and the plan that I have, I planned for your life, Jeremiah. And before you were ever formed in the belly, in the womb, I sanctified you. I set you apart to myself. I had a mission for you to accomplish And this was something that was a holy purpose that I formed you for. And we know that that's a prophet to the nations. And he goes on to outline all of that in the book of Jeremiah's. The history of that mission. Jeremiah never built a church, ever. Never was able to form a congregation. Spent lots of time in in the cesspool. He was rejected. He was uh, persecuted. Uh, But he was fulfilling... The purpose of God, which he was set aside for a mission for God before he was ever born or conceived in the womb. So then we have the tabernacle and his vessels. Exodus 30, 29. okay here's the tabernacle and the vessels we want to uh, think about that for a moment have a couple more verses Leviticus 8 uh, verse 10 All right, Moses went through an action and he uh, put anointing oil on the vessels in the tabernacle he sanctified them set them apart for God's use this is what sanctification is all about. Numbers chapter 7, verse 1. Okay, here's the tabernacle. Here's the vessels of the tabernacle. Uh, You remember that in, uh, what, 597 uh, that uh, uh, Babylon came up They they, uh, came against the temple. They ransacked the temple. They took the vessels to Babylon. These were uh, golden vessels. And uh, there they they sat. There came a time uh, when Belshazzar rose up. And he's having a great party. He's mocking God. And as he begins to mock God, he calls for these holy vessels. He says, bring those vessels to me. I want to mock the God of Israel. They poured uh, uh, liquor in them. Uh, he's about three sheets in the wind. He gets to feeling his beer muscles like all drunkards will. And uh, he begins to uh, uh, rant and rave, and suddenly a hand comes out of heaven, writes on the wall, meeny meeny, tickle you, arson, uh, you're waiting the balance as you're found wanting. And that night, the city was taken, and he died. Okay, what was that all about? It was about holy vessels. That was the thing that finally pushed God over the edge, and he said, that's enough. These are mine. They're set aside for for me. They've been consecrated to my use, uh, and now that's the last straw. Okay, there's a lesson in that, and there's a tremendous revelation. So what we have then is a setting apart for God for service. Sanctification is unto holiness. Sanctification is unto holiness justification is unto righteousness remember we studied about justification somebody uh, can tell me what what is justification anybody remember what i taught about justification we're justified by his blood anybody remember who justification where are we okay brother Okay. By the blood, we're justified just as if we had never sinned. Is a good way to remember that because justification means we're given a position of justification. We stand acquitted. Romans 8 1, therefore, there's no condemnation to them, they're in Christ Jesus. That's justification, and that has to do with righteousness or right standing before God. Sanctification has to do with our state not our position our state this has to do with what we actually are becoming because of what God is doing in us he justifies us so that he can sanctify us how many of you would like to be just like you were before you got saved anybody here not a single taker okay because religion without salvation is a drag man It's awful. Misery, condemnation, hangovers, puking in the toilet, unwanted pregnancies, jail, right? Rip-off, condemnation. But a wonderful thing happens when God intervenes and you're saved. Then suddenly He says, you have a position now just like you've never sinned. Now I can do something with you. He begins to work in us he, in that moment, he sets us apart to sanctification, and he begins to work in us to actually make us uh, holy. Okay, so let's uh, let's see if I triggered anything right there—a uh, rebuttal or uh, questions or deep, uh, profound theology. Anybody want to make a comment or a question, uh, Sister Ren Kurel. Difference between your head and your heart. That's a good. good theology. I've heard that before. They used to say that a lot years ago. Yes. Uh, David? Yeah, we've had people come through, been into Synanon, been into AIDS, been into 12-step, been into everything. But there's no salvation there. And I can't deny that perhaps these do some good. And maybe they do do some good. They keep them... Uh, they keep them uh, involved in uh, in the AA program, the 12-step program. Uh, but we've had many of them that were been in there, and the moment they're saved, no longer, no need. It's a total difference because it is a uh, it is a power of God working to sanctify, and if He He receives them, then begins to work work in them, and the power of the sin nature begins to be broken through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Bear Montgomery, here's a, here's a good Catholic boy. He's he's come through and that and he knows what we're talking about that's a good analogy yes because because we're justified now God can work with us to sanctification and that's a process the 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 clearest way to understand sanctification is it's a process that God does it is not a one-touch is not a magic one touch. Even though we can get touched, and God does do a wonderful work, He does deliver. But then He begins to work inside uh, some of the external things like uh, booze and, and uh, whoremongering and, and these things uh, are broken immediately. But the subtle things now God has to work on, which is pride and rebellion and selfishness and prejudice and greed and all these things that uh, don't appear. You can smile and your hands are uplifted and you can dance and and those things are there just seething. That's sanctification. God then begins to work on that. That's why you need a preacher. He always will meddle in your affairs if he's led of the Holy Ghost. Always. Always. You'll never come to a service. He's not meddling. He may make you feel good. You'll go out healed and blessed and you'll say uh, that's, uh, that's great but he'll be meddling in your affairs because he's an instrument of God because you're not sanctified yet if you were sanctified then our job's done but you're not okay I saw another hand somewhere back in here is it Steve Welch Well, that would be the lordship of Christ, and there would be an element, no doubt. But that would be uh, uh, Christ is their savior uh, by name, but he certainly isn't their Lord because uh, he doesn't have their money, their time, uh, their heart, their morals, uh, their tongue, and so he certainly isn't their Lord. They're professing him as savior, but unless it works out in an actual process, why is not that? They'd be closer to that. That, that answer your question, or not? okay Uh, Wayne that never what that's a good that's a good understanding of it yes no no as, uh, we're changed, the Bible says. We're changed in the twinkling of an eye. No. And so uh, uh, you, you triggered some thought to me when you are talking. It, it, it is a process. This is why when uh, the Enoch pleased God, that God took him. He said, I'm finished with him.